0: Well, the first thing they should do is not ignore the the letter. The IRS wins about 93% of all audits that they do. The reason is because over 67% of all audits go unanswered. A lot of people may uh, owe money because they never answered an audit. And the IRS could have been like, hey, send us a copy of your um, charitable contributions for this year. Well, if you don't respond because you didn't open the mail then you're of course going to lose. So number one, open the mail and respond. Don't think that every letter that you get from the IRS is going to be a terrible thing.
1: You're listening to the rich state of mind show, the podcast made to make you the total package in the entrepreneurial world and give you what we call a rich state, a rich state of, state of, of mind. mind. If you are here looking to learn about real estate, investing, marketing, elevating your business, and developing your mindset to get to the next level, then you are at the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join our community on richstateofmind.com. Now here's your host, Anthony Ritchie.
2: Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of Rich State of Mind, where I'm talking to Ben Goldman. He's the CEO and founder of IRS Troublesolvers. This is an organization helping individuals and businesses with wage garnishments, tax liens, delinquent tax returns, advisory bankruptcy services, and more. Uh, ben is passionate about helping people that find themselves in scary situations where they're owing the IRS money. To you know, to help them find peace, protection, and prosperity. So, please welcome Ben to the show. Uh, this is this is a topic that should have had you know months ago. So, I'm glad that we're finally able to talk about this topic. As always, please enjoy and thank you for listening. Hey, Ben, thank you so much for you taking your time this evening on this Monday. I really appreciate you because we're going to be talking about taxes, IRS, uh, something we haven't talked about in almost about 80 episodes, but specifically tax resolutions and how to deal with the IRS and where you come in and to play with that. So if you could please just tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Yeah,
0: thank you so much for having me today. I really appreciate it. So you know, we help people with tax problems and that's our main focus. So, you know, we help people owing the IRS $20,000 all the way up to, I mean, you name it. I think uh, one of our largest clients right now owes the IRS over $5 million in payroll taxes. So, you know, uh, the key is we want to look to see what you have going on in your fact and circumstance to see if we can help you. You know, we, we just don't want the IRS to say this is your only option. We want to be able to give you the option to that will best suit your needs. And a lot of people don't know that the IRS that you have options. So that's uh, what our goal is for our clients. And, you know, everything for us is customized based off of their fact pattern and circumstances. So, you know, everybody gets uh, the the red carpet
2: treatment. Awesome. Uh, So how did you get started in something like this, man?
0: Yeah, so I was bullied by the IRS um, when I was a, a new practitioner. So an IRS agent came to me and said, "Ben, you have to pay not only not only the taxes that your client owes, uh, but you also have to pay their penalties and in, in interest as well." And I was like, "Well, that's my client. That's not even me. That's not even my company." And they said, "Well, you're responsible." And so they they did some research into me and they said that I was responsible, but I wasn't. And they did not do all of the due diligence. And, you know, I stayed up all night long trying to figure out how to get around this. And I found where they made a procedural mistake. And when she made a procedural mistake, I was able to capitalize on that fact. And then I was able to show where the IRS invaded my privacy and Ultimately, long story short, she was not allowed to force me to pay the client debt. And she was also barred from working any of my cases from that point moving forward. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So, I mean, the key for me is since they tried to force me into paying that $171,000 into uh, the IRS from my client, I mean, it's scary. It was really scary for me because I was a new owner, new business owner, new practitioner. And I was like, you know, the lady's like, this is how much money you have in retirement. This is how much money you have in this bank account. This is how many vehicles you own. This is how much money you have here. And it really scared me because I didn't know the IRS, I didn't know they could know or find out all that stuff. Well, I knew after that phone call for sure. And I was like, oh my gosh, if they do that to me as a professional, you know, what are they doing to, you know, everybody else out there that doesn't know how to look up these you know i wouldn't say secretive but uh, these these procedures that nobody knows how to go and look for unless you have a an irs procedure book you know
2: and i was just about to ask where did you find something like this where did you
0: have a masters in tax and uh, as soon as she started talking to me about what i was going to have to pay taxes on i looked up the internal revenue manual and i went into the internal revenue manual and just dug in really hard the internal revenue manual is a it's a book that tells the irs what procedures they can follow and what procedures they cannot follow. And that's where I found her mistake. So it was actually her rule book that she didn't follow.
2: And I'm I'm glad that you you were able to fight for yourself and so many others that probably wish they knew just where to look. Um, so, something similar in, in my job where we always say, you don't have to know everything, you just have to know where to look. And so it's it was good that you was able to reference something like that so for anybody else, if they're getting uh, letters from the IRS, so what what is the first thing that they should do? Well, the first thing they should do is not
0: ignore the, the letter. The IRS wins about 93% of all audits that they do. The reason is because over 67% of all audits go unanswered. So a lot of people may uh, owe money because they never answered an audit. And the IRS could have been like, hey, send us a copy of your um, charitable contributions for this year. Well, if you don't respond because you didn't open the mail, then you're of course going to lose. So number one, open the mail and respond. Don't think that every letter that you get from the IRS is going to be a terrible thing. The IRS has sent out a lot of money the past several years through stimulus checks and, and things mm-hmm. of that nature. So, you know, a lot of people also miss those because they didn't file. So file your taxes. And if you get a letter, don't be afraid to open it and don't be afraid to respond.
2: You mentioned earlier about uh, one of your clients owing $5 million in payroll taxes. How, how is that so? How does that work when you have employees?
0: Yeah. So it's an unfortunate incident. The, the company... Uh, made a business decision that they were not going to pay the taxes on the employees. And because they did that, now the company owes the payroll taxes to the IRS that never were remitted back to the IRS over a several, several year period. So for example, you know, when an employer pays you, they take the taxes out. Well, that part, was never paid to the IRS as well as the part of the match that the employer has to pay as well as the penalties and interest. And that's why it continues to grow and grow and grow. And now, now, can't you
1: pay
2: something like that quarterly?
0: You should be paying it every time the payroll is ran, not oh, okay. Every okay. single time you run payroll.
2: And you can make a so, submission. Okay.
0: Yeah. When you When you pay your employees, that's when the taxes should be paid because you know, that's when you have the money, (laughs) you know, cash is, cash is king. And if you have in your account, you'll never get in trouble if you actually pay the taxes, you know, they were making the decision, well, I need to pay my vendors, I need to pay, uh, you know, the light bill, I need to pay the rent and things like that, instead of paying Uncle Sam. So they're in a heap of mess, because um, it's going to be difficult for them. It's a, it's a lot of money.
2: I wonder what type of a tight situation their CPA was in to be like, Hey guys, like we need to be putting money aside here.
0: Well, they didn't use a CPA. That's the problem. They tried to do it all themselves. There's so many different tax programs out there uh, that you can do on your own. You use your own people file their tax returns on their own and they don't use a CPA. They don't use an expert. And the problem is, they just answer the questions these the software is set up so that they ask questions as you go through sort of like an interview and when you go and answer the interview questions i looked at uh, a certain tax return i'm not going to name any names but uh, they they filed the, the tax return with a company online and it asked about their mileage and as it ends up when i looked at the tax return they had entered the mileage for the same vehicle and the same miles in four different places and took the deduction four times and they were audited and they were like, well, it just kept asking me questions and I just put the same amount of information in and I didn't know. And well, the software in that, in that instance, it really did not help the client. And that was a big problem for them. And ultimately, you know, we were able to help them, save some money on penalties and then get a payment plan set up for them. But in that instance, you know, we're pretty much dead in the water for for the IRS because they made a mistake. I mean, at the end of the day, what is our goal? Our goal is to file an accurate and complete tax return. And sometimes when the audit, when the IRS audits you, if it's not accurate and complete and there was a mistake, a true mistake, you may owe some money. So you know that's where we come in and say okay well yeah we still owe the money but do we have to pay these penalties yes or no and there are ways for us to go in and try to get those
2: penalties removed so you definitely recommend a human cpa over somebody a company using a software
0: well you know it depends you know if you have one w2 and and you and you don't itemize i mean you can use the software definitely but if you have four rental properties and you know, uh, you, you own a business and uh, you, you also do some multi-level marketing, multi-level marketing systems or whatever it is that, that you have. I mean, the more complex the return is, the more you need to seek professional help because I mean what happens if there's some loopholes or some strategies or something like that that you could use that you don't know about that the, that the, the CPA does or the professional knows about.
2: Gotcha. Okay. No, and, I, and I'm glad you, you know, you, you bring that up. Cause I know some people are like, Hey, maybe I only got one employee and I could probably figure it out versus if I got three or four uh, different people. Plus I had those side businesses, then yeah, it would be helpful. Uh, the hard part is I've noticed for some people is identifying when it's time to kind of scale to having, you know, maybe a CFO, CPA, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, a bookkeeper or assistant. So I just try to help people identify when's the best time to do something like that.
0: My my advice there is don't play with payroll at all. Get a company to help you with it that does it for a living. You know, we refer I, I have a company that does my payroll. I could do my payroll if I want to. I know how to. I could do it without a problem, but I pay someone else to do it because at the end of the day, I have employees in seven different states. I don't want to make a mistake. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, I mean, we we run a business that where we have 53% of our employees remote based instead of here in office. So because of that, you know, I don't want to have to deal with the headache and hassle of all of the different state regulations, as well as, you know, if if a mistake is made, they're going to help us out with it. And I don't
2: have to worry about it. Okay. Gotcha. Completely understand. So, you know, let's say like your client and other people that owe all this money, uh, can the IRS do do any disciplinary action on you outside of everybody knows that, you know, you can go to jail for the, uh, you know, I've heard of, you know, can they take your passport, maybe suspend your license? How, how, what are the in-between, uh, notices you get before you go to jail?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, there's a lot of advance warning that the irs gives you through notices to say hey listen there's an issue we have an issue and the way i word it is like this how much does the irs say that you owe because you may not owe that i mean there's a lot of identity theft and things like that that's going on these days a lot of scam artists and whatnot so how much does the irs say that you owe number one number two you know is it yours? Can, can you pay it? Do, do you owe it or can you pay it? Those are the two big questions. So it matters if you owe it uh, and you can't pay it or if you don't owe it. Those are two big different questions. But the IRS is going to send you notice after notice after notice. And you have to be just about, uh, you know, you just about have to have your head in the sand to, to not respond. They will not levy a bank account or they will not, you know, put a lien on you without advanced, you know, multiple advance points.
2: Okay. So, so you can also have a lien on yourself. So like, uh, maybe like a lien on your house. Mm -hmm. Or on any of your property
0: that the, the IRS puts the lien at the county level. So legally, if you sell anything inside the county, that lien is supposed to be upheld. Now, you know, a lien isn't upheld on on an automobile unless it's with the DMV, right? Mm -hmm. So there are some things that go beyond the scope of of that lien. For all intents and purposes, when you go to sell that house and there is an IRS lien on it, nobody's going to purchase it or nobody's going to really allow you to sell that home because of that public record. Now, In 2018, the IRS stopped reporting liens to credit, Okay, but it's still public record. So, you know, if you were to go sell a home or buy a home or something like that, they're going to pull your public records to see how much money or or are there any liens uh, out there? And that's when you run into problems, you know?
2: Can I do a payment plan to uplift the lien? Let's say I I come to an agreement with the IRS, hey, I'll do this payment plan, uplift the lien so that I could sell this property. Is that possible?
0: It is possible. Uh, However, there's different ways to go around it and how much money you owe is a a huge factor if the lien can be lifted or if the lien is paid in full or if the lien is not paid in full, will the IRS still allow you to sell the property to pay your IRS debt? And, you know, when you get into those issues, it, it becomes very complex. There's, well, there's, there's only a few different campuses that the IRS has that will allow you to, to do the lien work and, and lift the, the lien or get it released or something like that. And it, it depends on really how much you owe. So, you know, if you owe less than $25,000 and you're on a payment plan, yes, we can get the lien lifted pretty much automatically. But if you owe more than $25,000, there's more steps involved. And honestly, the IRS is not really going to lift their lien uh, easily because that is the, the right of the government to protect their interest.
2: Understandable. But it, it at least gives some people uh, like, hey, it's, it's not. I when, I when we think of the IRS, we think of kind of like the guillotine, like uh, not somebody, uh, an entity that we can kind of work with. You know, some somebody that could be negotiated with. So it's good that there's some options if somebody's in that type of bond.
0: There, there really are options. The problem is right now, the IRS is uh, understaffed and overburdened because of COVID. Uh, they were not able to staff properly. You know, uh, the smaller the companies, they were able to just let, hey, you can you can work at home. Here's a laptop, and uh, you know, just log in. The problem with the IRS is their firewalls were so complex that a lot of their employees could not log in without special consideration. And the IRS sort of got caught because they didn't have a lot of the uh, laptops available or the special consideration codes to go through the firewall and things of that nature. That way, the auditors or the revenue officers could not do their job effectively. The other problem is you know, the IRS budget has been cut for the past 20 years. So, I mean, the staffing of the IRS went from 114,000 employees down to 72,000 employees in 20 years. And so the budget is getting cut every single year. And it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter who's in office or what all is going on, the IRS is getting
2: cut, you know? That's so interesting. I didn't know they had that many, I thought it was uh, maybe... You know, a hundred cubicles, and that was about it. They're trying to hire another eighty-seven thousand employees
0: over the next ten years, and as a matter of fact, the statistics say that only twenty-four percent of the phone calls actually get through to the IRS, and that's after uh, an hour or two wait. And that's because this—it hasn't always
2: been like this because
0: of COVID. Um. It's been getting worse, but a lot of it has to do with COVID. A lot of it has to do with them them being understaffed. One of the reports said that uh, they can't really give uh, competitive wages. Uh, They've got great benefits, but competitive wages are a problem right now with the way the market is. Yeah, Um, And, you know, um, I think that the economy is going through a really tough time right now because a lot of people are saying, well, I want to work from home or they have more of an option to work different places. And, you know, the whole mantra of working for the
2: IRS is still there, you know? Yeah, this is true. And so, all right. So let's just say I don't have the money. I I owe a million dollars and I can't afford to pay. What's my options?
0: So uh, there's several different things and it depends on how much money you make and do you have assets? Okay. So there's different strategies that we can use. If you don't have assets and you know, here lately, the past year or two, you're sort of down on your luck. Let's say you made a lot of money back in 15, 16, 17, and 18, well, 19, 2021, 20, when COVID hit, you have been doing poorly. Well, there's strategies that we can use to negotiate with the IRS and say, well, I don't have a million dollars to pay you, but I can pay you, you know, $25,000 or whatever the number is. And a lot of people think that. It's like going into the IRS and negotiating like a used car salesman. No, no, no. It's a mathematical equation that you have to give the IRS and the IRS says, well, yes, we agree or no, we don't agree. And this is why. So there are programs where you can request to pay less and the IRS writes it off. There are programs where the IRS says, well, you don't have to pay us anything right now, but you will later. And there are programs where the IRS says, "Well, we'll start you out on a lower payment right now, but as you make more money, we have to—we're going to be taking more money in the future as well." So there are all those programs out there. Uh, the problem is a lot of people they just don't communicate with the IRS, and and honestly, the IRS is there not to help you. The IRS is there to, um, you know, just ensure that you pay your taxes. They're not there to guarantee you the lowest amount of money they're not there to you know <laughs> negotiate with you and say oh well if you did this this and this you can pay less they're not there to do that they're just saying these are the rules you have to follow the rules and you owe us money pay us
2: yeah it, those the terms you were using uh almost sounded like you were talking to uh, like you know a debt consolidation uh company like hey you know i'll pay a thousand today if you could, and, you know, write the rest off. Uh, well, but think-
0: there are, but there are some, there are some, some strategies out there to do that. Um, it takes about a year and a half to get through that program. Oh, wow. And okay. you, you have to be very poor. You have to be almost indigent, meaning you have to be almost homeless and penniless to, to qualify for those programs. And the, the qualification really is, Hey, IRS, I really cannot afford to pay you. And because I can't afford to pay you, um, here's the proof that you need to write this off type thing. You know, it's not for everybody. It's, you know, if you have a home, it's probably not going to be for you. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> uh, are you, what was I thinking about? I was thinking about for, I've heard a lot of stories of people having to pay their income tax back for several years before they finally get one back as well. Is, is that how people can be, do? People use that as an option as well in, in your line of work or they try to still. Absolutely.
0: Want their- Absolutely. So let's say that you um, filed your taxes for the past couple of years or you did not file your past couple of your taxes. So let's file let's file all those taxes. Let's get compliant. Let's get all those tax returns done, because that's one of the first steps we have to do. The IRS requires it. And then let's say that you start withholding more money out of your paycheck so you don't owe them more sort of draw that line in the sand and say, by golly, I'm not going to owe the IRS any more money. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they're going to take those refunds from future years to pay the old debt off. And you would also probably have to be on a payment plan as well, unless you qualified for some of the other things that I have been talking about.
2: Yeah. Sometimes I wonder, cause I've been a W-2 worker uh, probably last 15 years. And I, I wonder how people outside of entrepreneurs, I, I wondered how people get into that type of situation. Uh, is, it, is it the majority of the, the the regular W-2 people just because they're not filing their taxes? What else? What are the scenarios are getting these, you know, regular W-2 people into trouble like this?
0: Hey, that's, a, that's a wonderful question, because a lot of people think, oh, well, all these people are deadbeats or, or, oh, you don't pay your taxes, you, you know, Um, they think negatively of them, but it's really not the truth. It's, that's really a misconception because, you know, um, I had one client, his wife passed away from cancer and his life, he just shut down and he literally did not file his taxes for seven or eight years. And he just lived, he did not do anything else. He went to work every day and came home and that was it, you know? um, he pretty much went into a cocoon and it's sad stories like that, that these people find themselves in, you know, um, you know, this one gentleman, uh, his son got sick and he took all of his money out of his 401k to pay for his son to, to get better. And, you know, there's a tax consequence to doing things like that a divorce is another thing that will just make uh, shambles out of uh, taxes because, you know, one person might be the breadwinner and one person might be the the person at home with, with the children or whatnot. And, you know, that could be a, a, a big problem for the, the innocent spouse, that person. So, you know, I, it's a lot of good people that find themselves in really terrible situations, you know, um, house fires or perils that people go through find themselves in these situations, uh, you know, a sibling, uh, or a, a mother or father or a child pass away. It's, we have to deal with a lot of sad situations like that. And then we also deal with people that are, you know, they come up and say, well, you know, I just didn't file. I, I I I was worried or or I owed money the first year and I I didn't know what to do the second, and third and fourth year. I just didn't do anything. Oh, wow. So, I mean, you know as well as I do that non-action is an action. Yep. And and there's a consequence. So, I I tell people it's sort of like this right here. Um, You know, when you drive a car, the windshield is as large as it is for a reason and the rear view mirror is as small as it is for a reason because your imminent danger is in front of you. Okay. So, so let's draw a line in the sand and let's start avoiding the potholes and let's never have a tax problem moving forward. I'll deal with your rear view mirror. You know, I'll deal with your six. You focus on what's in front of you. And that's really the, the goal that we have for everyone that we work with is
2: let us help you on the back end and, and
0: you deal with what tomorrow brings.
2: I love that analogy. So I'm going to probably steal that and use that for wisdom to yeah, my son. Yeah, take it. <laughs> <laughs> I probably stole it from somebody, too.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and so we, we talked a little bit about liens. Uh, it, is liens in seizing assets the same thing? No,
0: absolutely not. So, so okay, so let we'll make yeah, sure so, it's clear. So a lien, uh, let's talk about a lien, a levy, and a seizure, and let's sort of gotcha. put okay. Those three things, um, in definition for us. So a, a lien is is where the government puts a legal documentation against anything that you own. So if you sell it, the IRS can take it. Okay, the proceeds. A levy is when the IRS says, okay, well you're making. Uh, $7,000 a month, You, we're going to garnish your wages. We're going to levy your wages and take $1,000 a month from you to pay your old back taxes. Or we're going to go into your bank account and levy your bank account and suck all the money out of it and levy that account. So that's what they do is they take all the money out. So levy is a type of a way that they take the money out of the bank account or they garnish a wage. Okay. Seizure, on the other hand, is is something like this right here. Let's say that you're that client that owes $5 million in taxes. Okay. The government says, well, we don't think you're going to stay around. We're going to come in and seize all of your equipment and we're going to sell all this equipment at auction. And then we're going to take all that money and pay it back to your taxes based off of how we think we should uh, put it not based off of how you think we should put that money towards your taxes. So that's sort of the difference between a, a, a lane levy and a seizure.
2: So I, first thing I think about being seized, somebody can seize, they can seize a car a home. Mm-hmm. Uh, can they seize your let's say my 401k?
0: Absolutely. A Absolutely. I mean, I, a lot of people think that a 401k is, is non-touchable, but not to the IRS. It, it's sort of like this right here. Think of it like this. The IRS is what I call a super creditor, not predator, creditor. What does that mean? Not only do you owe them, but they have the right to come in and take anything they want to make that debt disappear. Your bank accounts, your assets, you know, since 1998, the IRS has really taken a step back from you know, seizing private homes and, and personal residences and things like that. But um, they definitely will take a 401k. I've had, I've seen clients, I've seen that happen for clients before. Yeah, that's so devastating.
2: That's cool. Yeah, it's devastating it, because... Uh, well, I mean,
0: you think about it. You've got a, a 58-year-old person that has been working their entire life. They've got, you know, $200,000 saved up in their 401k. Um And a mistake is made. And the next thing you know, their livelihood could be gone. Exactly. Yeah. Now, granted, there's a lot of steps between those two places. (laughs) Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. Um, There again, remember what I said earlier, the IRS is not going to just come and start taking your stuff. No, no, no. They're going to send you tons and tons of letters. You get a letter, open it up. You know, call a professional, call somebody like us. That that you know, definitely um, focuses on resolution. Sort of sort of like this right here. You know what the difference between a general surgeon and a cardiologist is, right? No. So, a cardiologist is a, a doctor that focuses only on one organ, right? Their right. whole life they study the heart. They they think about how it reacts. They think about all the things that you can do to it. They think about all the drugs that that can help it. They they have special insurance that helps them in surgery or whatever. As a general surgeon, they have to learn a lot more about a lot of different things and they don't know the very special techniques to, to use only on the heart. Right. So if you were to have a heart problem, would you want to go to a general surgeon or to a cardiologist? Yeah. Cardiologist. Exactly. So that's sort of the difference between a CPA and a resolution expert. Right. Right. So the CPA is going to be able to do a lot of things like financial accounting and uh, financial statements and tax returns and audits and things like that. Whereas a resolution specialist, we only deal with collections from the IRS. We only deal with someone being audited by the IRS. So, you know, the resolution expert should know more about the tricks of the trade. You know, it's sort of like. The IRS gives us their playbook. It's my job to know their playbook as good as they know their playbook.
2: And, it, and so it sounds like the CPA is more, is the proactive uh, action. And then the, you know, the resolution specialist is more reactive if you're in a, in a situation and especially specific to, you know, whatever the case may be. Uh, yeah, that... so we definitely are in a reactive world because
0: everything's already happened. Yeah, you, it's very hard to be proactive and plan for something that's already happened. Gotcha. So, so that's really the difference. Um, absolutely. Uh, we don't, we don't have a lot of opportunity to do planning unless you come to me and say, Hey, I haven't filed my taxes yet. I haven't filed in six years. And um, the IRS really isn't they really don't know that I haven't filed my taxes. What should we do? Well, let's put a plan together that's going to be good for you. You know, are you married? Do you have assets? Can you pay the IRS off? Do you? Can, is there special techniques that we can use to reduce your debt before we uh, when we file? But there's multiple ways that look at it from a proactive standpoint in that in that stance. But yeah, most of this stuff has already happened, and we have to. We can only react that's a great, that's a great statement.
2: though. Okay, cool. Yeah. Like I said, as we talk about the different services that you guys provide, uh, scenarios that can, probably whoever's listening, they either know somebody going through it, they're going through it themselves just to have an idea at what point in their life they need to be contacting who, uh, like, Hey, okay, maybe I'm in a position where I can still talk to my CPA to, to make sure I'm on a straight and narrow, or I am, you know, up poop's Creek and I need to, Talk to a tax resolution expert. Uh, right. Where uh, where are you stationed now, based out of,
0: by the way? So we have three locations, one in Seattle, one in Chicago, and our headquarters is in Alabama.
2: Alabama, okay. And you're in Alabama? I am in Alabama.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. You're a Bama and fan? That's, that's the southern accent. <laughs> <laughs> that was so pretty important. The, the, reason, the reason why we're located here is because I have uh, – more than one company so i have a construction company as well and so uh we're located here but there again remember 53% of our um, staff is outside the state of alabama so you know and and that's why we do what we do from a national standpoint is because you know um irs is national but each state uh, we have a lot of different uh, employees in a lot of different states and you know we want to be able to focus on your situation. So we deal with States. A lot of people don't understand that there are some state amnesty programs as well that are not put out there sort of, I guess, back door. Mm
1: -hmm. But,
0: but you know what, you know what the truth is, your friends, your friends and family come through the back door and, and your guests come through the front door. So, you know, uh, people that know about the back door go directly there. And I think a lot of the times is because the back door goes to the kitchen too. So, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm a, I love to eat. So maybe that's, maybe that's <laughs> what, <laughs> maybe
2: that's what's I what's love about. it. And so like what, what I try to ask everybody is, you know, what is their rich state of mind? What's your big why, um, <laughs> as to why you're so passionate about what you do. You talked a little bit about, you know, your experience, but, uh, You've continuously been helping, you know, so many people. So what's your big why?
0: You know, I, I'm a huge advocate for other people because I don't want to see them be harmed. My, my wife grew up very, very poor. And, um, you know, my why is I want to be able to provide for my family like none other. I want to be able to, to provide and, and be the advocate for them when they did not have someone to be an advocate for them. And that's really why I do what I do is because I absolutely love helping people. You know, the old adage of, of David versus Goliath, uh, you know, that that scenario really plays out in my life all the time because, you know, not one person is going to be able to pull down the IRS. And that's not really our goal. Our yeah. goal is just to, our goal is just to advocate for the client. Um, it's it's not. I think the IRS is, you know, it's a, it's an entity, it's amoral, meaning it, it's not bad, it's not good. Um, but, you know, there's bad situations that happen to good people every day. And, and my goal is to just advocate for the people that don't know the rules. And my why goes back to, you know, being able to provide for my family and being able to, to give that life to my family and, and the life to others that they don't know that they could have.
2: That's beautiful. And, uh, you know, you're saving people's lives on a financial uh, perspective and from a a physical one, right? If we find ourselves all the way up to seizing properties and or uh, in jail. So you're definitely changing lives in a different way uh, that I'm pretty sure those guys guys and girls are definitely appreciative. Uh, (laughs) How can people connect with you? Yeah,
0: definitely. So check us out at IRSTroublesolvers.com. That's IRSTroublesolvers.com or 8774IRS Law.
2: Awesome. Thank you so much, Ben, for your time. Uh, I've learned a lot as far as, you know, because I personally, you know, my wife and I, we're looking at buying a franchise, and I'm thinking about payroll. And you know then the taxes coming out of that. So I'm thinking, like, yep. okay, cool. You know what? Let me not try to do this myself. I definitely need to outsource that. So thank you Absolutely. so much for that.
0: And and one item there I didn't mention before, um, pay uh, payroll penalties are the largest place where people make mistakes, and the largest place where the the penalties add up the fastest. Uh, payroll penalties can add up to more than sixty three percent of the payroll. So if it's not done right. So
2: and that's, that's actually a huge number. So yeah, that is huge. Crazy. So uh, thanks again, Ben. It's been, it's been great. Thank you. Thanks for having me today.
1: Thank you for sticking with us from the start of the episode. Please share our show with friends and family. Visit our YouTube channel and view more of our content on richstateofmind.com. See you next week on the Rich State of Mind Show.